thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. Hey, I want to let you know a few things as we're moving forward, um, kind of as we start to come out of summer. Uh, we'll be headed into our 21 days of prayer. And uh, I want to invite you, we do this every year, 21 days of prayer in the fall and then 21 days of prayer uh, in January. But our goal in 21 days of fall is to help uh, you grow in your personal relationship with God. And so for 21 days, we're inviting you to spend time alone with Jesus every single day. And so we'll give you a journal, uh, a prayer journal. And then my hope is, is that you can form that habit. Oftentimes, when you do something for 21 days, it forms a habit. And our goal is to help you form that habit that will go beyond 21 days of prayer. And then we'll continue on. Uh, But that's coming up. And during that time, in addition to that time alone with Jesus, I'd like to invite you to really, if you can, think about taking Monday nights to be with us uh, to worship and pray. As you know, we're, 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 we've selected Monday night as the night that we do our prayer meeting. And uh, I think it's beautiful that that's Charles Spurgeon's famous uh, Monday night prayer meeting. And so I love to quote that. That was the the prayer meeting, they would take preachers who wanted to preach like him, and he'd say, it's not that you would preach like me, it's that you would have a prayer meeting like mine, because prayer is the engine of the church. That'll preach. But anyway, and so um, uh, I just want to encourage you to just take those three weeks, and so that'll be coming up um, the end of August and early September, Monday nights for a few weeks, before we'll go into our fall small group semester, which will be um, a time for you to pray about, uh, think about who you could either co-lead with or you could lead, uh, or even be a part of a small group. And so that's an opportunity for you to take 12 to 13 weeks uh, to be intentional about making disciples, to be intentional about reaching people. And so our dream is to help you go from, uh, we want to invite you to be here every Sunday, and I want to invite you to think about through the week, one group that you either lead or you're a part of, where you're helping people uh, become more like Christ. And so sometimes that'll be a scenario where people come to know Jesus through your small group. Sometimes that'll be a small group where people grow closer and closer to the Lord. But I want to invite you to do, in addition to Rose, to do some circles, all right, in parks or Starbucks where the Shekinah glory exists or wherever else you might uh, think. So Anyway, I want to encourage you with that. Uh, Hey, I want to give a big shout out to my brother. Uh, He did a great job last week preaching out of Colossians. Can you give a big hand to Pastor Nathan Dorensky? He did so well. And I love and appreciate him. I don't know if you picked up, but it's obvious he's been living at the gym because he just keeps bulking up. I was watching him on YouTube like, my goodness, man, the dude is just turning into a buff machine. But anyway, uh, I just was like, man, all right. So uh, anyway... uh, We are uh, in week seven in our summer series on the book of Colossians. And we've invited you to take the summer and read um, Colossians all the way through. Some of you are reading it more than one time, which I love. Uh, But we're trying to get this in us. And of course, this uh, is our opportunity. We've entitled the series preeminent because that's the dominant theme of the whole letter that Paul writes about the supremacy of Christ or the preeminence of Christ. And so I want to go after Colossians 4 today. If you've got your Bibles, let's go to Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. I'll read out of this just a few verses today, and then we'll pray. 
And the idea that Paul's talking about today is actually about prayer, uh, which I love. Uh, and so we'll read this, then we'll pray, then we'll go after it. it says this, Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer. Everybody say prayer. <laughs> I'm not moving forward with that. I'm just telling you. Let's try that again. I need BLI. I need dad. You on the front row, baby. Give me some more. Like I'm a mom. Man. Okay. I told uh, my parents on the front row. Hey, my parents are on the front row. Can you give them a big hand? What's up, everybody? I love you. It's a couple of years ago that, uh, my, I, I spontaneously had to preach for my dad uh, one day, and so they didn't know it. They were expecting my dad to get there, and uh, I showed up instead of my dad. And so um, they all came in with notebooks and like fill in the blanks, and like, and they were ready for my dad. And they didn't get dad; they got me. And so I walked up and I was like, "What's up, everybody? Uh, I know you're looking for my dad. Um, here's the deal." I dreamed my whole life of growing up to be just like my dad, and I turned out just like my mom. And so, uh, listen, uh, you might not learn anything tonight, but we're going to have a good time. And uh, anyway, so I love you both. And mom, you're a good time right there. I'm ready for this. All right. So mom, I want you to lead everybody here with this. Let's teach everybody how to respond. Devote yourself to prayer. Let me hear you say the word prayer. prayer. Mm, now I can keep going. Devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Three things right there. Three things, prayer, watchful, thankful. So he's looking to Colossae, this church in Colossae. And he's saying, I want you to have all three of those. We're going to highlight those today. Then he goes on and, and he flips it. And he says, and pray for us. So it's not only giving some command on how to pray and that they should pray, but he flips it and he's giving a big prayer request. And pray for us too, that God may open a door. Interesting language. It kind of gives a visual. Wonder if someone else might ever do that. Just kind of a random door that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. So here's what I want. I want God to open a door of our message so that we can proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I'm in chains. So he's speaking there of being in prison. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you today and we pray that the word of God would come alive in our hearts. God, I thank you, Lord, that Paul, as he looks to this church in Colossae, he's teaching them to pray, and he's got a prayer request burning in his heart, and I ask that our church would be a praying church devoted to prayer, and I pray that this same prayer request that exists in Paul's heart would be alive in our heart. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would care like you can feel Paul caring here. I ask, Lord, that you would help us in the midst of all the things and all the distractions, to care about what you care about. We love you. We honor you. And all of Radiant said amen. 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 Um, I love this prayer request that we hear from Paul. Paul's got a dominant, a burning desire, a strong prayer request coming through, really strong, really big time, big time prayer. This is, he's coming to the end of the letter and he's saying, this is what I want you to pray for us. When I read through this, there's a lot here, but I want to go right at the bullseye at that prayer request, because I think that prayer request embodies what's burning inside of him, what's alive inside of him. And so I, oftentimes when somebody tells their prayer request, you can find out what's going on inside of them, what's alive, what they care about, what they're thinking about. What's taking up real estate in their brain? What's taking up affection in their heart? So for example, 
So many of you, both online and here, walked with Renata and I when my dad was in the hospital last year. And I had this prayer request. And in that season, it was not just what I'm praying for. It's our family praying. It's my extended family praying. It's our church family praying. It's everybody that I know online. What's up? It's every church I've ever got to know. Hey, here's the predominant prayer request in my heart. It's, hey, I'm, I'm praying for healing for my dad. And you could, that, that was alive. That was the predominant request. And Paul's got a predominant request right here. And even... Even when you look at a, a predominant a prayer request, like something that's alive inside of you, it's almost so forceful and so powerful that to even kind of comment on the other things, just it just doesn't, you don't have the emotions where it feels like the predominant thing you want to say. So if someone would have said to me in that season, November of 2020, how could I pray for you? It would have seemed a little bit strange to say, Pray that I look a little bit better. Pray that my kids, team, that was the word football right there. The microphone went out. That my kids make the football team. Pray that, uh, you know, and to give something small. Because compared to the big burden in my heart, that almost seems peripheral. It almost seems like hardly worth, I mean, it's real, but compared to this big one, uh, this is just not even. It's, it's not even burning in me the way that my dad's healing is. I think all of us could look at your own life and say, as so we were to talk about your big prayer request right now, what's the big prayer request burning in you? Because I think when we look at the Apostle Paul and his level of maturity, oh, that we would gain some traction in our maturity by looking at Paul, by looking at the way that Paul has this kind of mature burden. And my aim is not to belittle any prayer request because I think every prayer request has validity. But as we mature in Christ, it starts to look more like what's on Christ's heart and a little bit less of just some of the things that would make our lives a little bit better. I was thinking about my son, uh, Dawson, when he was eight years old, uh, we would pray with him, Renata and I would pray with him at night. And he had the same prayer request every single night, and it was for his NFL football team, which I'm not going to tell you that team because you might take him outside of the city gates and stone him. Um, and that would be painful. Uh, but they're blue and orange, and his, yeah, and so see, and, and I just lost you. Some, good, hey, some of you, you'll never be back. Thanks for coming. Uh, they're like, hey, baby, one and done. We out of here. Uh, but he would, he, at eight years old, his level of maturity at that moment was we were praying for his team and his quarterback. And if they lost a game, it was all of a sudden like theodicy, like trying to figure out the problem of evil. I mean, it was like, sorry, that was for you, dad. It was, it, <laughs> that was a little theology joke. It was like, it, 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 it was so, it was so a big deal. It was like, and that's kind of where he was at. That was his prayer request. I was thinking about um, when I was a kid, uh, I went public school, junior high, high school, but I was Christian school, elementary. Anybody Christian school, elementary? Uh, like that was, that was elementary. Was, and, and in my elementary Christian school, there was this weird dynamic and prayer requests. Now that I'm old, I understand what was going on. But back then there was this weird moment. You sit in a circle and the second or third grade dude that did not want to share their prayer request just gave a unspoken. That was it. It's just, you didn't, you didn't, they didn't and if you say unspoken, 
You just got to unspeak. You didn't have to say anything, right? And so what I figured out was if you had nothing to say, now I realize it's supposed to be like, oh, it's secret and personal and so you don't want to share. But the way that it really worked when you're like a third grade boy is just like, I got nothing to say, unspoken, bam. And then you, you squeeze the hand of the person next to you, bam, bam, you know, like unspoken, what's up? I'm out, don't have to pray today, right? Like, and, and if you go deep down where that was is I just, I don't have much in here. I don't have much to say. And when you look at Paul, he's got something big to say. He's got one big prayer request. He's got one that's burning in him. He's got one that's predominant. And I want to invite you to just look at the, this prayer that God would open a door for the gospel or for the message of Christ to be proclaimed. And then he says... And pray that I would proclaim it clearly. So you can break down a whole lot of different words right here, kind of get some different ideas in the text, but you want to get that rushing heart of what's going on in the heart of Paul. He's got this great desire that everything else kind of is small. And you think if you're in a prison cell, this is a moment where you really could give some of the things you want. Like you could really ask, hey, Pray. This is my prison cell, everybody. Can you just, there you go. I know it looks like a, a, a door from Home Depot, but it's actually, just imagine this is like a first century Roman prison door. All right. I mean, he, he, he could say, hey, pray that I get out of this prison. Pray that these chains fall off. He could ask for some revenge. And yet, his prayer is not for self. His prayer is for effective ministry because the vision that he has is about something beyond himself that other people would come to know Christ, that he would fulfill his mission. And it was ultimately about a prayer for others, which that's a pretty, pretty mature, selfless, unreal prayer request when you're sitting in prison. That's a others focused, it's not about me, prayer request burning in the heart of Paul. And I just want us today, by the end, to take a few moments, and my hope is that that would take up greater affection, real estate, time, intensity, capacity, habits in our own life. Not that we would in a moment become as mature as Paul, but that we would take a step. That you would go, God, I want to care more than I care. God, if that was what was in the heart of the Apostle Paul, and when I come to my prayer life, oftentimes my greatest prayer request is just all about me. And I think it's a really beautiful thing when we first come to know Jesus. Man, I think that's a great place to start. God bless me. God help me. God help my kids. God help my marriage. Oh, God help my portfolio. Oh, God help my team. Oh, God help my kid make the team. Oh, God. Like, those are real prayers, and those are good prayers, and those are fine, and those are beautiful, and those are great. And I think that if you look at this New Testament model, as you, we look at Paul, you can also grow in maturity to where as you pray like Paul prayed, you start to care like Paul cared. And some of the things that are on the heart of God start to take up residence in your heart so that you care like he cares. And when his heart is for others, his 
lost children to come to know him. When his heart is that the world might know him, then that starts to become your heart thus, your prayer request too. Oh God, oh God, I pray. And you look at the heart of Paul, deep in his bones, he believes that prayer matters because he's mobilizing this church to pray. And he believes when you guys pray it, and you ask God for an open door for the message to go forth, there's actually power in that prayer that flings wide doors that God opens doors. God is at work far beyond just what I can do. And oh, the irony of Paul behind a Roman prison cell door praying, though I might be behind a door, he's praying for the gospel, which is not chained for a door to be open, for it to go and continue, for God to be at work, for his limitation to not keep him from fulfilling mission, that the mission of Jesus goes forth. I wonder what would happen if for just a moment today, we could see, we could, like, let's just say we got a yes from God on all of our prayers that we prayed today. Like if every prayer that we prayed today was a yes, if it would have changed the world or if it would have just made our lives better. Because a lot of times the nature of our prayer is, oh God, just help me, just bless me. Which is a great place to start, it's just not a great place to finish. Where you wanna go is, Paul says in Philippians 1, I long for you with the affections of Christ and this is my prayer that your love may abound. He got to this place where, boy, in a place of prayer, God downloads his heart and I start to care like God cares. I start to love like God loves. So here's Paul. And when he's mobilizing prayer, what he's mobilizing is an open door. Pray for an open door for the message, for the gospel, for the good news of Jesus to go forth. So, so a lot of wonderful things about us praying for our kids to make the soccer team, for our finances to be strong, for our health to be good. And there's some beauty of discovering the, this mature apostle that cares about the fulfillment of the mission that Jesus called him to. This is what Jesus appeared to me in Acts 9. He sent me on mission to take the gospel to the Gentile world. I want to declare it fearlessly as I should. I'm currently in a prison. Pray that God would miraculously be at work, that God would do something supernatural, open up a door. So he gives three things here. He says, number one, be devoted in prayer. He gives these kind of commands here in verse two. Be devoted in prayer. And this is really common in the New Testament. We get this idea of being devoted in prayer. Acts 1.14, we have this story of them gathering. They all join together constantly in prayer. Acts 2.42 actually uses this exact same word, but this word devoted. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Romans 12.12 says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. And it's this personal prayer, prayer of the early church, devoted committed, coming back to. It's who we are. It's, what, it's, it's our bent. It's what we go back to. It's who we are. If we're, it's kind of an identity. It's like, I am devoted. And that's a strong word, but I'm devoted to prayer. I was watching the Olympics with my son, Justice, this week. 
we were watching, uh, we watched some track and field and we watched some swimming. And as we're watching some swimming and some track and field, cheering on the US of A, uh, we're like recognizing just how, how diligent these Olympians are in order to be devoted to their sport. Whatever their swimming or, I mean, their diet, their time, I mean, they're, they're devoted. And you could, take, you could take that idea of an Olympic athlete and you could get early church prayer life, same, same. Early church prayer life and you would go, these guys were devoted. This is what Paul's saying. This is what the church does. This is, praying church is, it's not just some added frosting to what we do. It's not just, a, 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 it's not just like an appetizer or a side item. I mean, this is thick. We're a people that pray. He says, be devoted. Then he gives this language about being watchful or being alert. There's a few different ideas here and different commentators have a whole lot to say on this concept. But, but this watchful idea on a real practical level for some of us, be devoted to prayer. And then it's be, this Greek word could be watchful. In some versions, they say alert. I like just taking this really practical because this, this is stay awake, stay alert. I want to invite you guys as you, as you try to apply the word of God to your life. I think one of the best things that you could do in your prayer time is actually develop some specific ways that you stay awake. Now, spiritually speaking, you could take this and say, hey, this means stay aware of God's activity, God at work. And then you're going to come down and be thankful. That's beautiful. And in addition to that, I think there's also like an additional plan. One of the things that you see about people who have spent a life in intercession is they actually find ways to stay physically awake, to stay alert so that they can pray. It's, it's kind of interesting. Even when we look at the way that Jesus talks to the disciples when they fell asleep when they were supposed to be praying. And he says, can't you just wait up for one hour? It's, it's, a, it's, really, it's a really real reality. Like all jokes aside, whether you're trying to get up early in the morning or trying to pray at lunchtime or trying to pray before you go to bed, it's just true that one of the ways that you can intentionally demonstrate being devoted to prayer is to figure out ways to stay awake. I, I loved praying with one of my praying pastors that I love. And he would uh, fly into a city and he would prayer walk. And so I learned, I learned how, to, how to spend time for hours on end praying in a city. Just He would hold out his hands like this, just like that. And then he would just walk. We'd just walk up and down the streets and just pray. And, and pray for businesses and pray for churches and pray for the gospel to go forth and pray for open doors. And this was actually his favorite text, open door. We pray that the open door for the, I pray that there would be a business owner that loves God, that knows God, and that everybody in that business would come to know Jesus. They would flourish because of that business. And we go, then we go to the next, whether it's a skyscraper or a gas station and pray for that one. Then we pray for the churches and we pray for the neighborhoods. Then we pray that there'd be somebody that lives in a house in that neighborhood that's willing to share the gospel, that there'd be open doors. And this open doors was the whole, I mean, I mean, this, this was like his favorite text. And it was, it was walking for him. It was pacing. So sometimes, even for me, even now I find myself when I'm just praying and I'm not even like in a city where I'm just, I'm just in my office or I'm up front here or I'm at the prayer meeting on Monday night, I'll find myself just kind of pacing. 
A lot of times when I'm starting to feel like I'm tired in prayer, in prayer I'll just pace. It just helps you stay awake. I know uh, another good one. We all know this one is just what we read in text. Paul says, for this reason, I bow my knee. But the idea of just kneeling helps you stay awake, stay alert, stay awake. I, I, I just, I, that, that's a way. Everybody, 21st century, we know caffeine does a good job too. I'm just saying, you ever want to get biblical, you can just get yourself some caffeine. You know, like, uh, this is just start a coffee shop called Stay Awake, you know, be alert, right? That I, I mean, but, but he, uh, Paul's saying, stay alert, stay watchful, watch what God is doing, see God at work. So you're devoted to prayer, seeing God at work. And then he says, and be thankful. We've covered this one a lot because Paul, like a consistently hits this idea of gratitude and thankfulness all through Colossians. Nathan talked about it last week as well. But then the, the idea of when you're thankful is that you start to talk about God at work in the world instead of all the problems in the world. And prayerless people are always talking about the problems in the world, but prayerful people are talking about God at work in the world. And so cynicism is often the result of a prayerless person. But a prayerful person is talking about God in the midst of the chaos, God at work. So you can be going through the hardest, or the, we just sang it, the darkest night. You can light it up, God of revival. How do you sing that song when you're going through chaos? You've been thanking God all week long. You're able to recognize, here's where the good God did a good work and everything that is good comes from God. And so mm, I'm thanking God. And you transition yourself from a cynical, I'm just going to use, I mean, average, just bleh. That's not a word, is it? Bleh. To somebody that's able to verbalize the goodness of God and God at work. And it's, it's your prayer life. And so then Paul flips it. He says, this is how to pray. And then he comes back and he says, and pray for us which he's been doing for them. Chapter one, verse three, he said, we always thank God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. So here's the great mentor teacher, Paul. And now he's inviting the people to do what he's done for them. So it's not just me, the apostle teaching you or praying for you. I want you, this new church to pray for us. In 1.9, he says, for this reason, since the first day we heard of you, we have not stopped praying for you. So Paul has communicated. We're praying for you. We have not stopped praying for you. Now pray for us. And he mobilizes the church to pray that God would open a door. Doesn't come in and say, pray that I'll get out of here. Pray that I'll get revenge on the Romans. Pray that... My wounds will not hurt as bad. Anything wrong with any of those prayers? No, I'm not saying that. I'm just wanting you to hear the actual prayer that we see. And I think we learn from the actual prayer that was burning in his heart. And I think that a church that has that in their heart starts to see a level of effective ministry because it's what we care about. When we care about the gospel going forth, when we care about that Jesus is proclaimed more than we care about personal comfort, I think God smiles and goes, I'll open a door for that. I love to open doors for the praying people that just care so much about others. Listen, my, you've heard me. 
My, my favorite thing to talk about all the time is the, the father heart of God that cares about every need that you have. And he is that I'm building on that, not subtracting that. That is real. And that is true. And he cares about every hair on your head and every tear that you cry. And he loves you and he wants you to have good gifts. And he, Jesus says that in the Sermon on the Mount. And there's this mature prayer of Paul as he's coming to the end where he's like, I just care. And, and sometimes I feel like I could see that with, with I, gotta, I, 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 love, I love old preachers because I've I think I am one, but you know, like I'm becoming one of those more and more. <laughs> but when I say old, I mean like 80, you know, like I, I, I love and, and, and when I, because when I get around them, I can watch someone who's lived through the same political seasons, same economic curves, generational. And I watch one who with tears in their eyes talks about the activity of God in their life with faith for the globe to know God and another one who's bitter and mad and rage ra oh, something. And I'm just telling you, the difference is not circumstance. The difference is prayer. The difference is what's burning, what, how they've, what, what they've taken to God. And I think we do well to not shy away and say, why this doesn't have to be me because my circumstance is so bad, but to actually come before God and go, I, I, want, I want in on some of that. So I'm going to, I want to, you can even start mobilizing people to pray about those that God's called you to reach. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, if you copy Paul, because everybody will always be okay. Like, you know, let me, let me pray for your uh, uh, hurts and needs and all that. I think that's great. And for you to go, I, I, I care about Kansas city coming to know Jesus, or I care about um, the people that you've cried out for, the seven people that work with you in your business or the people in your coffee shop or in your university class. And when you've prayed for them, cried out for them, you start to care for them like God does. Paul's, Paul's prayer here is because this is what he actually cares the most about. This is what, this is the big prayer request. This is his, if he's going to mobilize prayer, this is what's alive inside of him. This is what's burning. And so for us, we look at Paul and he actually in his bones believes that when you pray, God opens the door. And there's a whole lot of things that I can do in my flesh, but man, when God opens the door, so the prayers of the saints opens doors for the gospel to go forth. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this letter that I have. He's going to read it to everybody. And I want everybody possible praying what? That I could finish the mission. That people would know about Jesus. That the gospel would be proclaimed. And so his big passion is that this door would be open. I think for many of us, our biggest, if we were to have an open door, it'd be like, open a door that my, my house worth would get higher. Open a door that my son would be smarter. I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't know what your biggest one is. I just would imagine if, if the open door that you're asking for is the one that we read in Colossians where it's like, I care about an open door for the gospel. And God's the one that opens doors. So God's the one that helps you enter, sing, 
I can do all that I can do, but it's actually God that helps people that come to come to know him. It's actually God at work. And when God's at work, woo, life, following Jesus is the thrill of a lifetime. I mean, when, when, when you could see the hand of God, I was thinking about the, um, that story of in, in Exodus 17 where Moses is fighting the Amalekites. And what I love about that picture is that it's a beautiful picture of prayer because Moses goes up on top of the mountain and you've got a very real physical battle. You've got Joshua leading the troops against the Amalekites. But in the midst of the actual battle, Moses' hands go up, Aaron on one side, her on the other. And when his hands go up, then the Israelites begin to win. And when his hands go down, the Israelites begin to lose. So very intriguing because is there a physical battle? Yes, it's actually taking place. I mean, a real battle, real soldiers. I mean, real danger. And yet at the same time, it's won or lost based upon God at work. So if you're in the physical battle and you're fighting against the Amalekites and you have one option, should we rally and work on a bit better strategy? Should we do some push-ups and get the soldiers to get stronger? Should we buy some new armor? We're starting to lose here. What should we do? Your only answer, if you know all the variables in the equation, is Aaron, her, get Moses' arms up. Because when his arms are up, we are winning. And so it's the spiritual variable in the physical battle that matters the most. And when you get that and you believe that, not when it's just some theoretical thing that the old preacher on stage on Sunday at 11.47 a.m. says it, but when you believe it in your bones to where it gets calendar time in your life, where you go, oh, I believe that when you pray, God opens doors. So I'm praying that God would open doors in my life. And if I get a moment to mobilize some prayer, I'm asking that you would pray for me. Pray for what? Pray that God would open a door. I want this door open. Not for me. I, got, I care about the gospel going forward. This, this picture, open door. There it is. Yeah, oh. I'm, I know, I know. Like, if this were 15 years ago and I was still a youth pastor, I'd like beat on the door, I'd knock the door down, I'd do push-ups with the door. This is all I'm doing with the door today. As good as you get. But Paul, that's the idea Paul's hitting right here. He believes. He believes a, mo a, a church mobilized in prayer for him to be able to proclaim the gospel. Doors open. That's, that's what he's going after. That's what he cares about. And I think it's critical for us in this season. I think it's critical for us as a church in Kansas City. I think it's critical for the time in history that we're in that we have locked in. Here's what matters most. Oh, God. No matter what else is going on in the world politically, no matter what else is going on in the world in a pandemic, no matter what else is going on in my life with all of my challenges, money and sports and health and hospitals and all those things. Yeah, you got a father that cares about every hair on your head and every need. And there's a big story going on. There's a father that wants 
a great multitude that no one can count from every tongue, tribe, and nation around the throne. And you've got the privilege of being the church of Jesus Christ in the 21st century that's declaring the gospel. And we wanna say, oh God, help me be a part of what you're doing on planet Earth. Oh God, open up a door, open a door. So I love prayer meetings where we just say, God, open a door in Overland Park. Oh God, open a door in Kansas City. Open a door that people who are far from Jesus would be brought near. And that's actually, I think, I think I've had so many moments as a father where I've lost a child and my only desire in those moments when a child is physically, I can't, I've lost them at a parade or I've lost them. I've never lost them at Disney World, but that's something like that. My only desire in those moments is not to eat another taco is not to ride another ride. It is, dear God, help me find my child. And the people who help me find my children in those moments are my best friends. The people that actually get out of line and say, let's go find that little girl. She lost, but we're going to find her. Those are my best friends. And I think that the friends of God are the people that care about what he cares about. And I know he cares about every hair on your head and he cares about your milkshakes and he cares about you getting to ride and ride. You get in the fast pass so that you don't have to sweat. But here's what he cares about most. He cares about all these lost kids that live in Johnson County, that live in Kansas City, that live and they don't know him yet. And so as we go into the fall semester, my dream for us is, oh God, open a door. Open a door for the gospel of Jesus, the proclamation of Christ. And oh God, May we proclaim it, and may we proclaim it clearly, boldly, rightly, well. We'd be faithful messengers, heralders, proclaimers of Jesus. And I'll just close with this. I, I, uh, I know that people sometimes will say, I don't want to pray, pray because prayer gets boring, and I pray all the time for things where I don't see the answers. I get that, Okay. However, I've had some great front row seats in my life, right? I've had a front row seat to um, fishing in Alaska. That was a great front row seat. Got to see like a whale jumping. That was cool. Um, I've had a front row seat. Uh, I've never had a front row seat, but I've had a decent seat at Arrowhead. Um, shouldn't say front row. It wasn't that good, but I've had a seat at Arrowhead. Um, <laughs> I've had, I've had, I've, 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 I've had some, some seats where I saw some, I saw the ocean. I, I, I've, had a, I've had a front row seat to see, uh, I, I remember just an, an NBA game where, man, it was fam, three-pointer went into overtime. That was a good seat. But when you get a seat to seeing God at work in the world, your heart comes alive. Like intercession is not for the weird people in the basement. Intercession is for the people that are addicted to seeing God at work in the world. And you just go, I love that seat. I love it. It's just, it's my favorite thing. It's, it's, it's better than any play box seat at a sporting event or Netflix on a Friday night. It's better. You just, can't, you just can't stop weeping and crying and praying. Go, I'm addicted to God at work in the world. 
I've seen it. But when you're not in the place of prayer, then you just get cynical about the people that are talking about God's at work. <laughs> because you just, you know, uh, I love the quote that said, uh, is an old prayer guy, and he said, when I pray, coincidences happen. When I stop praying, the coincidences stop happening. So here's what happens to the intercessor. They just pray, they see God at work, and they go, ay, 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 God, you're at work. And everybody just addicted to Netflix and money goes, you're weird. You know, that's probably just a coincidence. And with tears in their eyes, they go, no, no, no. I have labored in the spiritual realm. No, no, no. I know it. I saw God work. You can't talk me out of this testimony. I know that God is at work. It's kind of like uh, we stay faithful in it no matter what. We labor in it in the good days and the bad days. But on the days where you see God move, you're just undone. Remember, um, Maybe you have a jack in the box when you're a kid, like that. Right? It's like you don't know when the pop is coming. That's what prayer is like. Jack in the box. Tweet that. That's deep thoughts from your pastor. It's faithful in prayer, laboring in the spiritual realm, consistent and faithful, and then. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, pop, Saturday. God, what? Tears. You did it. You're so good. I have lived in the goodness of God. I just, I can't. And then faithful. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, January, February, March. Pop. What? Oh, how great is our God. And you just can't stop because you've seen it. The Psalms are filled with it. I have lived. I have seen. I have walked in the goodness of God. I've seen the goodness of God in the land of the living. And you can't talk me out of it. I know that God hears the prayers of the saints and he's at work. And so I just got addicted. What'd you get addicted to? You want to binge on Netflix? No. You want to you want to binge on travel? It's fine. But here's something better. I have seen him. He's at work in my life. He's at work in my city. And so Monday after Monday, I pray. Or every weekday in my 30 minutes alone with God or whatever, I've prayed. And every once in a while, Who are you anyway? You are so good. We bow your heads with me and let's pray together. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we ask that we would be a praying church that sees doors open. I ask, Lord God, for business owners in this church that pray for their employees and they start to see open doors. I ask for teachers in this church that pray for their students and start to see open doors. God, I pray that you would raise up intercessors that just love 
to cry out, oh God, open a door and pray over lists. I pray for list intercessors where they just love to pray for people in the church. I pray for geographical intercessors where they just like to pray different neighborhoods and blocks, praying for houses. I pray for presence-based intercessors. They just want to get in the house of God and pray as much as possible in prayer meetings. I pray for every kind of intercessor, God. I pray for fathers that are intercessors. I pray for men that just love to wake up in the morning and pray physical tears for their children and for their spouse. Their favorite thing to do is to pray for their kids. Pray for their wife. Oh, God. I pray, Lord Jesus, we'd see open doors. We'd be a praying church. If you're here today and you want to make a decision to follow Jesus, maybe today is your open door. Maybe just in the last hour, your heart is opened up and you go, I want to, I want to turn, not live for me. I want to follow Jesus. I want to repent of my sin, repent of me being Lord of my life. I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. If that's you, I just want to invite you just to pray this prayer. This isn't the only thing to say, but this is the start of your journey. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus and I surrender my life. Save me. Give me new life in Christ. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. I want to spend eternity with you. In Jesus' name.